This podcast is a Tucker Media production. For more information, head to tuckermedia.com.au. Hi, I'm Ralph Tucker from Tucker Media. The year 2020 has certainly presented challenges for everyone across the world. In 2020 Revision, I'll chat to a cross-section of the community about their experiences and learnings in this truly unique period of history. From business owners, to professional athletes, to new mums, everyone will share their stories. And to give it an authentic 2020 feel, I've recorded these chats at my kitchen table over Zoom. Angela Anderson, welcome to 2020 Revision. Thanks, Ralph. Angela, that's very formal. A lot of people call me Ange, but Angela, I feel like I'm in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you're the breakfast newsreader on Nova in Brisbane. You're also a marriage celebrant. Can you take me through your 2020? It's been different, very interesting. I I know a lot of people say we spoke about, you know, what we envisioned envisaged 2020 to be like. It was definitely not going to be like this. And New Year's were like, new decade, let's do this. But yeah, March hit us as a celebrant and I did my second wedding of the year and it was my last wedding until uh, I think it was July that I then did my next wedding, which was quite full on because that is actually the wedding season was when it starts in March. So we had a lot of couples um, deciding that they, you know, they couldn't simply go ahead. So whether they were going to cancel their wedding altogether or whether they were going to postpone and when they were going to postpone, it was just really uncertain for them because uh, of all the restrictions that were in place. So, yeah, it was quite hard. It was a lot of juggling, a lot of patience needed, uh, especially when you're working with people who, you know, are talking about getting married, which is a very emotional thing and a lot of people are very invested in it, not just, you know, emotionally but financially as well. So, yeah, it was it was a tough year managing expectations as well as a business, a small business, and I've only been doing this for two years, so... It's a relatively new business, but I knew that I wanted to just be there for the couples and make sure that what I was doing was the best for them. So the wedding industry is quite, you know, interesting because it is quite a lucrative industry. There's, you know, people do charge a lot of money to to do um, their job within the wedding industry. But, yeah, I was mainly just focused on making sure that the couple's needs were were met, which, yeah, is where I guess... You just have to think, you have to put yourself in their perspective and I like to think that whoever I was working with as my vendor, I'd like them to to have a heart basically because, you know, this is unprecedented times. We've never seen, you know, that there's that word again, unprecedented. We've heard it so many times. But, um, yeah, we were working with something that we'd never come across before and, yeah, I just wanted to make sure, as I said, that, I just, yeah, was looking out for the couples and their best interests were met. So how was that period during the the shutdown and also like in the lead up to it where there was so much uncertainty, the the regulations, as you mentioned, were were coming in and and things were changing so quickly. Did you have a, I guess, a mixture of people were just straight out looking to postpone, some were unsure, were they coming to you? how, How did it all sort of unfold from that point of view when, as you said, it's an emotional time getting married. I think a lot of people, they either knew that they wanted to postpone because they were just so uncertain about what the future was, but they there was other people that were coming to me saying, what do you think? And, I mean, that's a really hard question to ask 
your event or your celebrant because I don't have a crystal ball and it was really hard to know what to say to them. So I just said I think you should talk to all the people that are involved in your wedding. Um, I'm happy to do whatever you want. Um, you, I even gave a few refunds over that time because people just didn't know what they wanted to do. But, yeah, it was just really hard navigating that when people were coming to you asking for your opinion because uh, there was a few people that I said, I think this will be over in a couple of months, but I, I don't know. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and you know, it's still going now. So um, as restrictions here in Queensland, we were very fortunate. We are being relaxed. Uh, we were seeing people, you know, go ahead with their weddings. But, you know, weddings have changed now. They're so different to what they were beforehand I think people are now starting to get more of a perspective on what a wedding is and it's not entirely just about your guests it's about you know the two of you getting married and you don't have to have your 150 plus guests there just to make you know your nan happy that your cousins you know that you've only met you know four times are going to be there so I think people are really just starting to get a perspective and the bigger picture of of what weddings should be. So if you look at it when you were going through that period, were you concerned about that side of your business? Obviously, with the uncertainty of not knowing when restrictions were going to be eased, when people were going to come back um, through the door, if they were going to continue to use your services. I mean, that in itself, when you're trying to establish something like you are, must also be a bit of a, a stressful period. Yeah, it was very stressful. It was stressful too in terms that you know, you are running a business, so it is about the money, but at the same time, you want to uphold, uphold the reputation of your business. So I was finding it hard in the fact that it was a lot of work dealing with, you know, so many emails in your inbox, yet the money wasn't coming in. So it was quite hard. Um, and being a small business, I've kind of, you know, not really established myself in terms of the bookkeeping side of things. So I didn't, you know, apply for any of the government grants, but I know a lot of my colleagues did and that that helped tremendously so they could keep themselves afloat. And I guess too, I'm very fortunate in the fact that I um, I have, a, you know, another job. So, and that was, you know, quite stable over that period. But yeah, it was a lot of work. Um, again, just managing expectations and then also, yeah, looking out for myself too, because, everything was up in the air for probably a good three months and yeah just making sure that I was going to be able to actually meet what they wanted me to do later on down the track as well I didn't want to leave anybody hanging in terms of you know they're not going to have a celebrant because I've double booked later on or something like that so yeah it was really tricky for a while and I was spending hours at the computer just responding to people and yeah, it, it was just very emotional from their point of view. So, yeah, it was very tricky managing a business versus, you know, some, something that's, you know, you, you do once in a lifetime. So, yeah, I don't want to go back there, that's for sure. <laughs> so when things were starting to get back to, uh, I don't want to say normal, but somewhere near normal and, and the booking started again and people realised what they, they could do, how important was it for you to make sure that you were up to date with all of the guidelines and, and being able to answer the, the questions that people had when they're still wanting to push ahead but they want to do it in a, a COVID-friendly way? Well, it's funny because some couples 
restrictions were, yet they were pushing the limits because they wanted it to be different. So I had to be all over the restrictions because there's big fines, especially here in Queensland. Our, our restrictions were relaxed a lot sooner than other states. Um, and we were seeing weddings go ahead with a maximum of 20 people. Then, you know, two weeks later it would be 40 and then we'd jump to 100. So just keeping on top of those dates and knowing exactly when we were allowed to do that, um, I had to make sure that I was all over that because there was health inspectors going around to weddings and making sure that we're adhering to that. And then if the couples had invited more people than they said they had, it, it fell on me basically. So... We really had to, you know, form that mutual understanding, that mutual respect and trust with my couples um, so that we were making sure we were adhering to all the COVID regulations. So it was, it was just absolutely imperative that I stayed on top of everything, which was a lot because it was changing quite often and it wasn't, it was changing immediately sometimes and then other times it would change, you know, they would make an announcement and then three days later it would change. So it was staying on top of exactly yeah, when the change was happening, not just what the change was. So, yeah, it was it was very tricky industry to be in at that time too because, yeah, you are dealing with people who, you know, they, they want, you know, their 100-plus guests to be there but they simply couldn't so they had to, you know, uh, then cut their guest lists and stuff like that. And then we had things like you've never seen before where you're turning up to a wedding and you have to do... Um, they're all your friends and family. They had to sign a register with their name and, you know, what time they were entering the wedding. It was just bizarre, really. So I guess as opposed to some of your, your colleagues in that industry, you did have it a bit of an advantage. You mentioned your other job there. You're the newsreader at Nova in Brisbane on, on, the, on the breakfast show. So that would have been advantageous because you had to be across detail, not only in your own industry, but what's happening in your state, what's happening around the country and also around the world. Yeah, which actually made it really hard for me personally because... I knew a lot of my colleagues, for example, in Melbourne as marriage celebrants because you make friends, you know, throughout the country in this industry. They were doing it really tough. So then you're really conscious as to what you're posting on social media too because you know that you don't want to gloat too much like, oh, I did this wedding the other day and it was brilliant because, you know, they're really struggling and they're struggling financially as well. So I found that really tough being across absolutely everything, across, you know, the whole country because of that reason. Um yeah, it was it was tough to to not seem like you know you're succeeding while someone else is really struggling. But yeah, it was it's been an interesting year in news, that's for sure. And it's been so busy. So yeah, although everyone's saying 2020, it was you know I've got a lot of friends who are out of work, um, friends who have lived overseas that have moved back, and they're all saying 2020, oh, let's just, you know, forget about it. What a year. I sat on the couch most of it while ScoMo paid for my lifestyle. But, mm. but for me, it's been huge. It's, you know, be, as I said before, that marriage celebrant business, you know, dealing with all that, then having to wake up and be across absolutely everything in the news. Yeah, it's it's been... Um, I'm looking forward to a break. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So take me through that. Did you have to work from home for a period? Were you able to go into the office? How did it work with the, the breakfast show that you're working on with Ash, Kip, Lutzi and Susie O'Neill? 
We, I think, were one of the early breakfast shows in Nova Entertainment that decided to stay in the studio. So we all made a pact, basically, that we were just going to go between home and the studio and not make any contact with, you know, the outside world, really. We're just in our own little bubble before the bubbles were created, like the NRL. Uh, A Nova bubble. Uh, Yes. And um, we all had our temperatures taken when we got to work. Um, but yeah, we were still operating out of the studio just because that's the way that we feel that we work best. So seeing each other, you know, picking up the vibe, it's just a little bit harder down the line, I think, um, and doing it virtually because I think we, yeah, we all gel together and we, we build that rapport through seeing each other. Um, but yeah, it was, it was weird. We, you know, the roads were so quiet driving to work and, you know, you'd stop and you'd go to your local coffee shop for your morning coffee and it wouldn't be open. Like, I mean, that sounds so precious, but it was just those little things that you're like, actually, yeah, the world, like while our world is still going, um, as it always has been, it's not normal for everybody else. And I think, yeah, that's when it really hit when everybody was staying at home and we were going in. So did you talk a lot through that period as a team in terms of that very uniqueness that you were doing something that not everybody was allowed to do? Yeah, we did. Um, (laughs) If I'm completely honest, I think some of us saw it as, oh, cool, let's do our jobs and go home because that's what everyone else is doing. (laughs) But yeah, we did. And sometimes you did feel like a bit of a rebel because um, we did have to have those letters from the company in our cars, you know, in case we were stopped by the police to say that we are essential workers. And we started to laugh amongst ourselves saying, you know, we're not an essential worker. Essential workers are your doctors, your nurses and, you know, your healthcare providers. So it, it felt strange that way too. And it, it was something that took us all a little bit to get used to. So if you look at it from a news point of view and you've been in the media for, for over a decade, this easily would have been the, the biggest story that you've had to cover in, in your career. How did you manage it, like given the, the sheer volume of, of detail that was coming in from a day-by-day basis? Did you kind of try to identify what was most important for the listeners, what was most important for you? I mean, obviously, you're getting huge numbers of cases that were coming in from across across the world there's also the, the local angles and and announcements not day by day almost hour by hour there was a lot of information to digest and i think i was looking at it you know as a journalist from the perspective of if i turned on the radio what would i want to hear and i think i would want to hear what's happening in brisbane because they can get all that other information about, you know, global stats and, um, yeah, sometimes the national stats from, you know, the TV, the TV news from um, what they're seeing online and people were really scoping out what they wanted um, online, I think. So I think we were providing the need-to-know information and it got to a stage where it was like, do we actually need to know this? <laughs> it, it was almost like I feel not just me personally, but when I started to talk to my friends, my family, you know, people in the community on, you know, direct messaging on Instagram and stuff, I think people were starting to get a little bit of COVID fatigue is what I called it because there was just so much information and it was changing so often and 
it was almost like, yeah, okay, so how is this going to affect me day to day? So it was just about providing the information that, you know, that affects people day to day within their community. So providing updates on stats within Brisbane, providing stat, um, information on the, you know, the changes to the restrictions um, and then giving a little bit of insight into what's happening nationally and globally, depending on how bad it was. So focusing, unfortunately, on the worst because that's what news does sometimes or most of the time. But, um, yeah, it was it was tricky to manage and, yeah, I think it was just, yeah, as I said, just focusing on localism because that that's sometimes hard to get online because most of the online um, publications and also the TVs are focused on national, you know, stats. So, yeah, it, it was a lot and I, I certainly did get COVID fatigue probably four weeks into it. I was like, I'm done. I've had enough. <laughs> and then obviously you throw a state election into the mix in there as well, which was sort of bubbling along all year under the surface until it actually had to come to the surface and the election took place. How was that, given that, I guess, if you look back on, on things, um, the, the state leaders around the country and Anastasia Palaszczuk was probably one of those ones that was, um, I guess, looked at as someone taking a bit of a, a hardline stance with the, the border shutdowns and, and, and whatnot. So to, to have that to look to as well must have made things a, a little bit more challenging. Definitely did. In terms of um, being a journalist too, you meant to be unbiased and I was finding I got increasingly frustrated with a lot of media identities in Queensland having their own opinion on what was going on within state politics and Anastasia Palaszczuk's hard border stance in particular. And I would flick on, you know, the AM talk stations and without even looking at the dial, I could tell what station I was listening to based on how hard they were going on, on their opinion, which, yeah, I found really frustrating. And I guess that just shows how much emotion fueled the state election here in Queensland. And if I switched on the media, like, daily and listened... I was convinced that Anastasia Palaszczuk was going to lose. But then when you talked within the community, you would hear that people thought it was, you know, quite wise and reasonable what she was doing. But I think it was just, yeah, it was it was a really tricky election. And I have quite a few friends that work within state politics and, you know, from speechwriters to media advisors and stuff. And they found it really hard too to know when to put the politicians up to speak to the media and when not to because were they going to get grilled or were they going to get support that they needed. So it was it was such a tricky election and, yeah, <laughs> yeah it could have gone either way basically. So in the midst of the doom and gloom and everything that was going a, a, around, 2020 provided you with some really exciting news on a personal front. It did, yeah. Um, my fiance and I have been trying for two years to fall pregnant and despite being extremely busy, um, we got it right and we fell pregnant. <laughs> um, I, my mum says that it's because I wasn't, you know, concentrating on falling pregnant. I was too busy dealing with everything else going on in my life. But, um, yeah, I think everything just came together in terms of some medical issues that we're investigating and, yeah, it's... Um, it was quite the surprise, although there was a couple of months there where 
you know, we we knew that it was time to start trying again after a few miscarriages. And <laughs> my partner said to me, it's probably not the right time right now because who knows what's going to happen with my job? Who knows, you know, what's going to happen with your job? Because there's been, you know, every business has spoken about lots of cuts. So, um, yeah, we decided to, to hold off. and But then, yeah, once we knew that our jobs were kind of safe, we thought, let's give it a go. And yeah, finally, <laughs> we fell pregnant, which is which is awesome. And um, yeah, we've got a little girl coming in March. So, how have you found things with the preparation required to to bring a, a child into the world in in this day and age under the the restrictions that are still vast and and, and many? Well, early on, it was it was very different to what my friends had explained to me, like. Going to the first scan, you weren't really supposed to take a support person with you unless you really, really felt that you had to and then you had to ask for an exemption, um, which was tough because we had been through miscarriages and I thought to myself, hopefully I'm not going to get this news by, by myself. But, um, yeah, it, it, it was definitely strange dealing with the health industry at that time and, yeah, you are having to get your temperature checked, you were being asked the amount of times I've been asked, have you been overseas or interstate in the last 14 days? Like it's a question that you just get asked no matter which door you walk into. Um, But all in all, it's been okay because I guess, you know, restrictions have been eased over time. But I really feel for the women who have given birth during COVID because they haven't had some of the support mechanisms that they might have had in place there with them on the day. So I guess that that is a fear of mine that we could have another you know another wave of coronavirus and I hate saying that word coronavirus I've said it so many times <laughs> and that is a fear that you know that that might be me that doesn't have you know the midwife that I want the two midwives that I want in the room with me and my partner so but all in all um, you know now it's not as different as what it was you know a few months ago. Well, given what we've been just discussing there, um, it seems a little bit silly to ask the next question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What are you looking? <laughs> what are you looking forward to most in 2021? Uh, I'm getting married in July, so my wedding, no, mm. <laughs> and the birth of our child in March. Yeah, definitely. So it's going to be a big 2021 for for me and my fiance. Um, I think I'm crazy planning my own wedding four months after having a baby, but. Hey, I'll, um, I'll walk the streets every single day and hopefully lose that baby weight so I can fit into the dress I've already got. <laughs> Ange Anderson, thanks very much for joining us on 2020 Revision. Thanks, Ralph. Appreciate your time.